Consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Okay, stand by. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? I'm Doug Parker. Don't forget you can subscribe to our cruise updates at CruiseRadio.net. On this show, we have editor-in-chief of Vacation Agent Magazine, Teresa Norton-Massick. She was sailing on Royal Princess, Princess Cruises' new cruise ship over in Europe right now. We'll get her take on the ship. Also, while I was over in Southeast Alaska, I had a chance to sail with Amy Gulick. She is a photographer and author, has a book out called Salmon in the Trees. She's going to give us some photography tips for um, first-timers and also kind of explain the importance of salmon in Southeast Alaska. It's actually really interesting, so we'll talk to her later as well. But first, Stuart on the cruise guy. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. Doing great. Hey, man. Good to uh, welcome back from Europe. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Carnival Triumph returned to service. Did, uh, is she resuming service out of Galveston? Well, Doug, where else do you think she's uh, resuming service? I don't uh, know. That's why Miami. I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's returned home port uh, to Galveston, and uh, she should be on her, I guess, her third sailing at this point. And uh, all signs show that uh, she's doing very well. Well, uh, speaking of Carnival Triumph, looks like a Carnival is the one suing for a change. They have a suit against the uh, the shipyard over in Mobile. Was a BAE shipyard for some damage? I guess the ship came loose during a bad storm a couple of months ago. Well, they had about four of the bollards, which essentially tie down the ship, uh, come loose during a you know during a windstorm, and the ship broke loose and it did you know crash into other via- on other ships. Um, on the river there, and um, essentially it caused uh, about $13 million uh, worth of damage to wow. the ship. Now, keep in mind, it's like, you know, hey, you took your car into the, into the uh, repair shop, you left, it, you left it with them with the keys, and, you know, they drop your car, so, and, and it hits another car. Well, of course, you know, the, the repair uh, shop is, is responsible, and in this case, you know, I mean, they're not going to walk away from $13 million worth of damage, not to mention... Uh, additional time and effort that it took to repair the ship while it was in the shipyard uh, when they finally did get it to Freeport. But, um, I mean, it's it's pretty scary considering, you know, you, ship, you see a 100,000-ton uh, ship break loose and uh, wallowing uh, along the river uh, uncontrollably and then, you know, striking, another, you know, some other ships. And, and again, just to remind our listeners that uh, the two... Um, the two uh, uh, work ship shipyard workers, mm-hmm. uh, one that was killed and uh, one that uh, uh, was found, uh, had nothing to do with the Carnival Triumph. Some people thought that they were working on the ship and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, uh, it's important to note that the shipyard had total control of the ship, not Carnival. Yeah. And you know, hey, their their ship was damaged, and they should be, uh, you know, they should receive compensation for it to uh, pay for the repairs. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of ships in the shipyard, what's the latest on Royal Caribbean's grandeur of the seas from that uh, fire last month? Well, the uh, other ship that was in the uh, recovery room. Yeah. <laughs> with Carnival Triumph was uh, Royal Caribbean's Grandeur of the Seas. The latest update is there is no update other than the ship uh, is planning to return to service uh, as scheduled. Okay, well, there you go. It uh, looks like uh, Carnival re-signed a contract with the Port of Tampa going into uh, 2017. They've been with Tampa for what, like 10 years now, 12 years? No, they've been there a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, I've, I've personally sailed out of Tampa. It's a great port. Gets you to the uh, Western Caribbean and, you know, Carnival and both Carnival and Royal, or Holland America have both been uh, sailing successfully seasonally 
mm-hmm. uh, from there, and uh, they, they do a nice, a nice job there. Looks like our friends at Wireless Maritime Services, or as we know them, Sailor at Sea, are bringing a, what, 3G service to uh, Royal Caribbean ships. Is this a, a big step as far as service goes for cruise ships? I, I think it is, because it really shows the evolution of the, of the technology. And in prior discussions with them, the reason why it wasn't done sooner has just been the huge cost, essentially, to retrofit the ships with the cellular technology needed for the 3G service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially, it's it's going to help the cruise passengers that are using their cell phones. They'll notice faster downloads uh, and maybe maybe some better you know cell phone coverage. But keep in mind that service does not kick in until you're about eleven to twelve miles offshore. And it's not cheap either. It's not cheap. <laughs> and you know, with with Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, and Azamara, they did come out with some really good packages, which mm-hmm. hopefully other cruise lines will uh, take into effect, which, you know, for example, for $30, you can get 50 minutes of talk time, which essentially brings the cost down from $2.50 a minute down to about $0.60, and then a dollar thereafter. And then they also have texting and data packages. What's the most expensive at-sea cell phone bill you've had? Believe it or not, maybe $65. God, I'm an amateur. $560 one time. Doug, you have (laughs) to understand, you use the... Um, you know, you use the, you know, the, the data plans when you're ashore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Looks like more cruise ships are staying away from Istanbul and Izmir. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. More political unrest? Look, there is more political unrest, and uh, Costa's Fastenosa was the latest to drop the ports and substitute them for uh, some other, other ports uh, that are less uh, controversial, like uh, Athens, for example. Uh, they are waiting to see, you know, what, you know, what's happening in those uh, in Istanbul and Izmir to see whether or not uh, calls for this week and next uh, may also be need to be changed. But uh, it's it's kind of a wait and see uh, situation. They do, you know, the passengers love going to Istanbul, for example, and a lot of times that's that's an overnight port. So uh, they would very much like to be able to call there. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, passenger and ship safety is paramount. I came across this actually on your Twitter feed, Stuart. Uh, FAA could be relaxing the use of in-flight electronics. Does this mean we can actually use our phones on the runway? Well, it could be the phones, the iPads, and, and other electronic uh, devices while the uh, planes are taxing. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, they've been teasing about this for years. It certainly doesn't make sense to have so many uh, restrictions on these other than what they really state was just a way to keep passenger attention during the uh, drill. So, you know, hopefully this will become, uh, you know, more prevalent and, uh, you know, people will be able to use their uh, their favorite electronics during more of the flight. And hopefully we'll see more internet service. Very good, Stuart, man. I appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Cruise Radio News, now trending at cruiseradio.net. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. 
It's not just a good idea to have travel insurance during the winter months or hurricane season. Every travel agent or travel expert we talk to says it is a very smart idea to always travel with travel insurance. That's why you should check the folks out at TripInsurance.com. They have exclusive products from the leading travel insurers that you won't find anywhere else. Yeah, they are the low-cost leader in travel insurance with savings up to 40% or more when you compare similar coverage from other sources. What plan do you want to go with? Good, better, or best? They have coverage in all three categories that make it easy to find the right insurance plan for your budget. You know what defines great customer service? Actually being able to talk to a human being, and they do that at TripInsurance.com. They are committed to great customer service with 24-7 telephone support before, during, and after your trip. You can also file claims online right on their website, and they keep you posted of any travel alerts that could affect your travels or safety at your destination. Check them out right now, TripInsurance.com. Joining us now on Cruise Radio is author and photographer Amy Gulick. Amy, welcome to Cruise Radio. And uh, tell us about your book, Salmon in the Trees. Uh, well, the book tells the story of this remarkable connection between the salmon and forests in southeast Alaska. And the reason why I titled the book Salmon in the Trees is that in this part of the world, there really are salmon in the trees. Uh, and the way this works goes something like this. Um, so this part of the world has uh, some of the highest densities of both brown uh, and black bears. Mm-hmm. Um, 4,000 salmon spawning streams, millions of wild salmon uh, enter these spawning streams at a certain time of year. All those hungry bears are waiting for them. Um, they come down to the streams, they pluck the salmon out, and then they drag and drop them into the forest. And over time, all the nutrients from the bodies of the, of the salmon uh, decompose into the soil, and the trees absorb them through their roots. And scientists have actually been able to trace a particular form of marine nitrogen it's called nitrogen 15, and it comes from the ocean. And they've been able to trace this in trees near salmon streams uh, that they can link uh, directly back to the fish. So there really are salmon in the trees here. And is it true that the salmon come back to spawn where they were born? Is that like they can find their way back? Right. So salmon are born in freshwater streams and rivers, um, and then they head out to the oceans uh, to mature. And then, yes, somehow, some way, they find their way back to the very stream where they were born. And they can be thousands and thousands of miles away from that stream where they were born. What time of year can you actually see salmon spawning here in Alaska? It varies. It really depends on uh, each particular salmon stream system as to when those salmon are going to be coming back. But in general kind of mid mid to late July uh, all the way through September okay. really but July August and August in particular is kind of what's known as salmon time very cool and uh, you have some amazing photos in your book um, salmon in the trees and uh, just give us a couple of photo tips just some brief ones on how to take the perfect wow just give us a couple of those that you taught us um, sure uh, I, I think first of all when, when you're traveling usually you're going to somewhere where you've never been before and mm-hmm. you're you're very excited and you're seeing things you've never seen. And the temptation is to just start snapping away mm-hmm. uh, right off the bat. Because, again, everything's new to you. You're excited. And sometimes when we do that, we're not really slowing down and really seeing and really kind of um, taking it all in. So the first thing I actually recommend people do is not take their camera out and just kind of, again, slow down, take a deep breath, really Uh, absorb your surroundings um, because when you slow down and really start looking that's when you really start seeing things and then you know kind of pick up the camera and uh, 
focus in on things. And right off the bat, a couple tips that'll help you improve your photography. Um, basically, get as close as you can to your subject. Now, of course, if your subject is a bear, um, you know you don't want to <laughs> physically get close, but right. you know use a longer lens, zoom in with your point and shoots, uh, whatever you need to do to not disturb the bear or put yourself in danger. Um, but in general, get closer to your subject. That really helps. And then uh, another tip um, is just photograph what you're passionate about. Sure. Because when you're passionate about something, you're, you are going to take the time um, to, to stay with the subject. And usually when you take the time to stay with something, that's really when you get your best images. And I guess the listener should also know that you don't have to have a $1,000 Nikon camera. You can use your iPhone and take just amazing pictures, right? Yes. Uh, I, more and more, I am more impressed with um, the, the images I'm seeing coming out of people's iPhones. And, and I, th I think the reason for that is, first of all, people always have a camera on them. Mm -hmm. you know. So now when you see something cool, it's like you don't have to say, oh, gosh, I wish I had a camera. Right. Because most people do uh, in their pocket. And... And Amy, thank you for your time. And where can we find your work online? Oh, well, two places. Um, if you're interested in the in the book, uh, uh, website salmoninthetrees.org. And then my personal website is amygulick.com, A-M-Y-G-U-L-I-C-K.com. Naturalist, photographer, and author Amy Gulick, thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with me. Oh, you bet. Thank you. Always a sheer delight when we talk to editor-in-chief of Vacation Agent Magazine, Teresa Norton-Massick, welcome back again to Cruise Radio. Oh, it's always my pleasure to be on Cruise Radio, Matt. You know that. So we have you on the show to talk about Royal Princess, Princess Cruises' new ship that just uh, christened uh, last week over in, where was it, Southampton? Southampton, England. Yeah, they're very exciting, and I, I understand that the christening was pretty darn big. Well, it was big in the sense that it was big news because the godmother was none other than Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge, Ooh. who is about to give birth within a couple of weeks. But obviously, she's like one of the most popular, most admired women in the world. So um, I have to say it wasn't the most lavish christening ceremony I've ever been to, but it was a little bit more low-key, but very elegant because of her presence. Tell us a little bit about Royal Princess. Well, Royal Princess is the first princess ship that's been introduced in five years uh, since the Ruby Princess. It's also much larger than the other ships in the fleet. It is a 141,000 gross tons uh, which makes it fairly on the large size, and it accommodates uh, 3,600 passengers when you figure two to a room. So it's a little different. I have to say the ship itself is gorgeous. The decor and the design is beautiful. It's not what I would call one of the more showier ships that we've seen in recent years. You know, today a lot of the cruise ships have things like, um, you know, we're talking about the skydiving um, attraction, the surfing simulator, right. um, you know, all these book rock climbing wall, all these things that are on the cruise ships. Um, this one doesn't really have much of that. It has on the top deck, it has a dancing water fountain that there's like a sound and light show at night that they do. Um, and there's also a sea walk on the top deck, which extends about 28 feet out over the side of the ship and there are glass panels. So when you walk on it, you can look down and you're looking straight into the water. I would say the main difference in this ship compared to earlier princess ships is the atrium area, which they've really built up with many more um, bars and restaurants to sort of make it the center of the ship. They have a lot more entertainment that goes on there during the day. 
You have someone playing the piano. You have people singing. You might have magicians, um, that sort of thing. So they're trying to make the piazza, is what they call it, the, the lively center or the heart of the ship. How were the staterooms? I was in what they call a deluxe balcony. Um, it was fine. Um, nothing majorly different or excited. What I will say is it had a huge TV on the wall, and I wished I'd had a tape measure because I want to guess it was like 40 or 46 inches. I'm not really sure what sizes TVs come in these days, but it was a big TV. And what princesses also did with these in-room TVs is they created their own video-on-demand system. They wanted it to be that you could watch whatever you wanted to watch with no more than like three clicks. So they created their own system from scratch. There are a lot of, um, you know, recent, recently released movies as well as news stations and that type of thing. Other than that, the stateroom was, you know, serviceable, um, but nothing overly exciting. I want to hear about the dining, uh, specifically the specialty venues on board. Well, they have some really cool um, places on board to eat. Um, one of my favorite new ones is located in that you know, near the center of the ship in the piazza. It's called Alfredo's, and it's an expansion of, um, you know, the pizza restaurant they've always had. Uh, it is a complimentary restaurant. There's no charge. But I tell you, whatever they do with the pizzas, they're fabulous. Um, I went there twice. They taste just like the ones you get in Italy instead of the bland ones you find on some other cruise ships. But they've expanded the menu there to also have calzones, you know, pasta, rolled eggplant, um, different things like that, you know, antipasto. So it's a really, really top-notch Italian restaurant that's included. They've also changed Sabatini's a little bit. It's the Italian restaurant, specialty dining. It's $25. It used to be that when you went to Sabatini's, when they first introduced it, you'd end up sitting through something like what seemed like 10 or 12 or 15 courses. Now they've changed it. They've scaled it back a little bit, but it's extremely high quality. One of the main courses that I had was lobster three different ways. Yum. Um, yeah, so, you know, they've upped the game a little bit in Sabatini's. I really liked what they've done with it. And, of course, there's the Crown Grill, which is their their upscale steakhouse, which is also a nice a nice option. Well, it sounds like some great food options and a really busy ship. What else is there? Well, in this Piazza area, around the center of the sh- ship, there are some, some more lounges and bars. Um, one of them is called Crooners. It's a little elegant, quiet pl- place with plenty of martinis. Um, there's a whole martini menu, um, and everything from the classic, you know, all the flavored kinds, cozy chairs, that type of thing. Um, there is a new Ocean Terrace seafood bar, which is a, a little bar, very cozy, um, where you can order anything from, you know, a shrimp salad that's complimentary to caviar, sashimi, um, you know, it's the chilled seafood sampler. So it's kind of fun if you want to have some small bites. The Wheelhouse Bar is one of my favorite places on Prince Ships. That's now located adjacent to the Crown Grill. So it's sort of like the pre-big night restaurant out gathering place, you know, to have a drink first. It's also where they serve the pub lunch on certain days on the ship where you can get like fish and chips, that sort of thing. So what are your final thoughts on Royal Princess? The Royal Princess is a gorgeous ship. It's a kind of ship I think a lot of the Princess fans will appreciate. Um, Princess is considered a premium line. To me, it's been sort of the, the cruise line you go to when you want to please people of all ages and all income, all demographics. It just seems like everybody likes Princess. 
families, older couples. Um, and, you know, there's plenty to do. It's not, as I said earlier, the showiest ship um, in the ocean, but it's gorgeous. Uh, lots of options, lots of dining. Um, and most people will enjoy it a great deal. Now, if I read this correctly, Royal Princess is going to be spending the summer in the Med, correct, and then coming over to Florida? Yes, that's exactly right. It is operating 12-day Mediterranean cruises between Barcelona and Venice through September 27th. And at that point, it heads to Florida and will operate Eastern Caribbean cruises in the winter. Editor-in-chief of Vacation Agent Magazine, Teresa Norton-Massick. Always a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. That'll do it. Don't forget, we have an app. Download it for free if you're an iPhone user. Just $0.99 for the Android market. You can stay abreast of all our cruise news, um, our iProducer feature. Also, check out all of our videos on there. We have like over 200 right now and all that cool stuff. It's Cruise Radio Live in your smartphone app store. On behalf of Matt Bassford, I'm Doug Parker, and this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is recorded weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Download the Cruise Radio app. Hear Cruise Radio on TuneIn Radio, the Stitcher Radio Network, the Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, CruiseAddicts.com, and on our website at CruiseRadio.net. Follow Cruise Radio on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, and Tumblr. For advertising opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.